A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a crazy story about somebody getting their car crushed. But first, a story from Willingly Lost 90, The Battle of the Parking Spots. So I live in a very large apartment complex. I believe there's around 900 apartments. The majority of parking spots are first come first serve. If you work odd hours or get home late, you'll have to park near the mailboxes and walk to your apartment, and it can be a pretty long walk, half a mile. When you sign the lease, you get the option to pay extra and get an assigned parking spot. One bedroom apartment can have two paid spots, and two bedroom apartments can have up to four. When I moved in, we paid for two spots as I work a split shift, so half the week I'm not home until midnight, and half the week I get home around 6.30. There's signs in front of each spot saying that if you're not paying for said spot, you will be towed. The spots are also numbered if it matters. We had no issues for almost three years, but during COVID I got a promotion and a company car. My roommate changed jobs also, and they gave her a company car, as her job has her driving to nearby states. As luck would have it, two spots directly next to the ones we already own came open, so we purchased them. So when you get a paid spot, you have to provide proof of license registration and your plates. If anyone else parks in your spot, you have to call and okay it. The maintenance staff are known to check cars randomly, and the cop who lives on site likes to tag cars for towing. The residents have to call a dedicated number, leave the information, and the apartments call the tow truck. So we have four spots and four cars. My roommate was going out of town and decided to get her personal vehicle worked on. So when she left town, it meant two of our spots sat empty. Then someone tried to steal my car, so I had to take it into the shop. So my work vehicle is a very large SUV, so when we have spaces, I open park parallel in two of the spots since we pay for them. I came home from work, parked my SUV parallel, and went to bed. I woke up, walked the dog, and noticed someone had stuck a sticker saying to stop blocking two spots, and there was a random car parked in the fourth spot. I personally don't mind if people accidentally park in our spots, and I leave a note explaining that the spot they're in is reserved, along with the spots number 7, 8, and 9, and to please not park there again. I went to work and the car was gone came home and the same car was in spot 7. I parked next to them and once again explained that the spot is reserved and next time I will ask the apartment to tow them. Again went to work and came home and the same car was parked parallel in spots 8 and 9. So the way the spots are set up, every four spots have a concrete curb with grass on it. The way he parked his rear bumper was touching the concrete curb. I parked in my spot, but as close to his car as I could. I don't use my passenger side door, so I don't need access to it. I was off the next day and was supposed to get my daily driver out of the shop. I get up around lunch and check outside and the car is still blocked. I once again tell them to not park in my spots. I move my car over one spot so they can get out and get a ride to get in my car. I go do some errands, go get food, see a movie, etc. I get home around 11pm, the car is still parked in my spot. 
The letter I wrote was shredded and on the ground, and on my work car was a letter telling me off as I don't deserve the spots. So my revenge, I parked my personal car where my work car was, right next to his, and put an old trail camera on the pole near the spot. I had another four days until my roommate was home, so for the next three days, I didn't move my car. On day three, apparently they tried to call a tow truck to move my car. The tow truck pulled up, looked at the spots, and left. On day four, I called the apartments and had him towed. I hope he didn't need his car for three days. The car hasn't been in my spots since. I love the idea that this person thought they were all high and mighty and doing people a service because this person's parking like a total jerk in these four parking spots. Why doesn't anybody do anything about these parking spots? They're acting like they own them. Oh wait, if you had the option of blocking them in for a few days, then calling the tow truck, or just calling the tow truck the first time they left a sticker on your car, would you have called the tow truck first thing, or would you have tried to ride it out a little bit? Make it even more annoying. Let me know what you would do in the comments down below. Our next story is from Plain Initiative 8316 Cruise to Nowhere. Hubby and I moved into a new house in 2018. When we were buying the house, we asked his brother and his sister and her husband to co-sign on our mortgage. In return, we said we'd take them on a cruise. In 2019, we were going to go on a cruise, but brother-in-law couldn't get off work and sister-in-law got pregnant. Then there was a pandemic. During the pandemic, we were made aware of some problematic dynamics between sister-in-law and her husband and their kids, so we filed a report with Child Protective Services. They're now understandably upset with us. However, our report was completely justified. Sister-in-law keeps telling us that we owe her for intentionally messing with her. And every time we talk with her, it's been very, very infrequent. She tries to get us to give her money. She's also been doing things to sabotage my husband's company and is systematically turning mutual friends against us. She now wants us to pay her the money we would have spent on a cruise for her. I'm not trying to change the terms of our initial agreement, but she's insistent that we have to do it to make amends. So now I'm shopping for a one-night cruise to nowhere. Absolutely the cheapest cruise I can find. She won't even be able to go because she's not vaccinated, but hey, at least I'll have followed through. Frankly, I'm wishing the best for OP because it sounds like maybe they're going to have some issues going forward, potentially. I mean, hopefully not, but it sounds potentially messy. Our next story is from Jeanpole, just a meme for grandma. So my grandma is a witch that has always emotionally manipulated my mom. The breaking point of which I couldn't forgive her was when we were in the city. We lived in a rural town four hours away from an urban area. She called my mom and asked her if her husband was there. He was. Was she out of the doctor's office? We just got out. Was she in the car? Yes, we were stuck in traffic. Then proceeded to say, Oh, your sister Lisa died and hung up. So I don't really talk to her all that much and she unfriended me on Facebook like five years ago because I was being sarcastic in a political argument, aka being disrespectful and thinking with the left side of my brain. As she's aged, she's also become more and more concerned with seeming proper and polite. That the short and skinny of some of my reactions with her and who she is as a person. So just to be petty, I sent her a friend request on Facebook and she accepted. Just to tag her in a meme saying, thanks for shooting a baby out of your you know what, then unfriended her. My mom's probably going to call telling me how my grandma was offended, but oh well, it's small but very petty. 
Happy Mother's Day to all you you-know-what shooters out there. I mean, that's definitely one way to look at it. If you hate your grandma, at least, you know, they went and partially were responsible for you being able to have life regardless. So that's one positive thing they did, right? By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every one of my daily videos has great stories, like our next one from Junkernomicon. This isn't the best example of petty revenge, but satisfying. I'm in a record collecting group on Facebook from the area around my hometown, and I live on the other side of the country, but I'm still active in the group. In the time leading up to COVID, I sparked up a conversation with an admin that led to attraction. I started making some plans to come home for a visit to see her. I even had a ticket in a shopping cart the day my home stayed locked down. The isolation of the lockdown brought us closer together. Eventually, we were texting all day long and video chatting regularly. When the lockdown was coming to an end, I started making plans to come visit. About this time, my best friend passed of COVID, so I had to go home for his funeral. When I got home, she started pressuring slash low-key threatening me to come see her. She lives about an hour away from my hometown. When I did go meet her, she was totally different and very entitled. Wouldn't help pay for anything. She complained about the hotel I got because it wasn't nice enough, but wouldn't help to pay to get a nicer one. After we hooked up, I dozed off because of the three-hour time difference. When I woke up, she was gone. I called her and she came back. Thanks? We decided to go out to eat, and she was gracious enough to tell me that she would pay for her own meal. Thanks again? She drove to one restaurant. She drove around the parking lot once and made the decision the wait would be too long, so she took me back to my car. Heck no. I went back to my hometown instead of spending the night at that hotel. I decided on the way home that I didn't need this in my life. I stopped talking to her that day. The last thing I said to her was, I don't owe you an exit interview. I stopped posting in the group because of my friend passing and the episode with this woman. Record collecting was a hobby I shared with my best friend and couldn't bring myself to touch my turntable for a long time. I pushed my feelings aside about what happened as I was starting to deal with the loss of my friend. Cue my low-key revenge. When you talk to a person for two years, you get to know them pretty well. She was always jealous of this one woman in the group. She crap-talked her all the time and tried to ostracize her. She was also one of those people that were always online. She sees everything that goes on in the group. When I started posting again, I started to like the other girls' posts, going back to when I stopped posting. I didn't like them all at once. I would do one or two of them at a time because she would see it. She blocked me in less than two weeks and blocked all of my friends of mine she met. This isn't the best example of petty revenge, but it felt good to me. I just feel bad for OP because they spent all that time connecting with somebody that they felt they had a real connection with, they were video chatting, they were texting all the time, and then when they finally meet up, it's like, you see all these character flaws that you just never would have gone for if you knew they were there in the first place. Honestly, I guess that's one of the downsides of doing a long distance thing if the whole thing started out long distance. You just never really know until you're physically with the person. Our next story is from Disassociated Developer. Be a jerk? Then you don't get the house. This is my father's story told with his permission. I wanted to brag about my dad's decision to stick it to a jerk. My grandparents built then lived in the same house since the early 70s. It has five acres and was a small scale farm for their family growing up. They both passed away within a month of each other several months ago. 
Their kids, my parents, aunts, and uncles, didn't need the home and none of their kids, my siblings, cousins, nor I could afford it. It was in a trust, so all siblings needed to agree to make price, etc. Most just wanted it to be sold quickly so they could move on with their lives. They spent a couple months cleaning the property and house up, repairing anything minor, then put it on the market. Comparables estimated the property over $850,000, but it did need more work. Roof replaced and some cosmetic work on the foundation, wiring was updated back in the early 2000s. There were a couple people showing interest, but no serious offers for a couple months. So we dropped the price to around $830,000 since there was a little work to be done. Enter the most scuzzy realtor slash buyer. He wanted it, but his wife really wanted it. They had put their house in a more urban setting with a small fraction of an acre on the market and were under contract and basically guaranteed the sale of their house for an obscene amount of money. According to my father, I forgot to ask how much their realtor found out it sold for. They negotiated down to $740,000 and all of the siblings, since the property was in a trust account, accepted. Sad to see it go to someone outside the family, but what do you do? Nobody could afford it or needed that much property. He represented himself as his realtor, which would mean he gets a percentage of the final price back at the end of it all. I understand it's not technically illegal in our state, but it's kind of BS in my opinion. Then he started asking for reduced price for many things. Things like the cost of taking the outbuildings down, a horse corral, horse tack shed, greenhouse, and disconnected garage that he set up as a workshop. He said they were all a hazard, and he shouldn't have to pay for them coming down. They passed building codes, just didn't look perfect cosmetically on the outside. Just one example of many, we just wanted to move on with our lives. But after we would accept an offer, he would then ask for more, drive the cost lower, eventually got it down nearly below 600000 He had about 3000 tied up in escrow to purchase it and his deadline for closing on the house or losing that money was approaching, but he kept asking for more. Because he kept negotiating, he passed his deadline to get his money back, asked for 580000 Then my father snapped, and I've never seen him snap. I never seen him get petty, but I'm glad he did. He called the nephew who has horses but wanted more property for adequate training and riding space, couldn't afford what it was actually worth, so he'd passed on it before. My father asked if they would qualify for the last accepted price, just over 600000 and they did. All the sublime agreed, and so they declined the realtor dude's offer and said, never mind, we won't sell to you. Through their realtor, of course. So the jerk loses his $3,000, doesn't get the house, and doesn't have a home at all. He apparently really thought he would get my grandpa's house, so his house was closed on, and he would have to move out very soon. To say he was pissed is an understatement. Our poor realtor had to be the gatekeeper, but she at least took satisfaction in pointing out to him that it was his own fault he didn't get the house. We have to wait until the realtor guy signs the termination paperwork, which he's delaying, since that was all he has left to try to stick it to our family. But Grandpa's house is staying in the family once that final date passes, less than a week left. My parents may not have sold the house for what it was worth, but it was worth sticking it to that guy. Screw him. Honestly, the level of greed some people have really can blow you away. They managed to talk that house down $180,000. And that wasn't enough for this guy. They wanted to go lower and lower and lower. 
At what point was the deal finally good enough that they were like, okay, I'll accept if I have to. If you guys won't give me a break, I guess I'll accept this house for 550000 Our next story is from Carrot Done Cold. Petty revenge served ice cold, literally. This is a story from my parents about my great-grandmother. She passed well before my birth, but lives on mainly through the story and other small anecdotes. She was my father's maternal grandmother, so not much has been shared about her, but this story is my favorite. It is a cold, snowy day in New York City, in either the mid to late 80s or the early 90s, pre-1995. My great-grandmother Maria and my great-aunt Julia were shoveling the street in front of their apartment, clearing parking spots for not only their cars, but also for Maria's husband, who was away at work. They spent a fair amount of time doing so due to the large amount of snow. As soon as they finished and put the shovel away, their neighbor Richard drove up and immediately took the spot. The two of them went up to Richard to try and explain that they were shoveling the spot for the family member who would not be home until late. But Richard had none of it. He cursed them out and walked about a few feet to his apartment. Julia and Maria watched him go inside. Almost as soon as he got inside, Maria told Julia to get the shovel. They spent another hour or so shoveling in Richard's car covering it completely with the snow they had cleared moments before. Once the car was very much covered, Maria took a kettle and poured hot water over the car, ensuring that the New York City freezing cold weather would turn the snow-covered car into a big block of ice. Richard didn't leave the house until the next morning when he had to go to work. He saw the car and immediately became enraged. Maria was at the window with a cup of coffee smiling and waving to him when he turned towards her apartment. According to Maria, it took Richard at least three hours to get the car out, and she watched him the entire time with her good cup of coffee. I'm not gonna lie, when I hear stories about great-grandmother and great-aunt, and then I hear mid-to-late-80s or early-90s, I start feeling particularly old. It's a great story of revenge, though. I'm just, I can't get over how fossilized I'm feeling right now. Am I a grandfather all of a sudden? Our next story is from Derby Desk. Be rude to me and my coworkers, and I'll absolutely inconvenience you. I used to work for an extended stay hotel. In literally every department, we were a small hotel with a bit over 100 rooms. Boss offered overtime, and I wanted overtime. We'd get a lot of people staying for work. Most would leave their families at home. If they brought their families, it would meant their job was willing to pay lots of money for whatever service they provide their employers. So we would suck up to the guest, keep them happy, keep them at the hotel. I was indifferent or liked almost all the guests, even the difficult ones, but this one lady still makes me grumpy years later. She was the nanny of a husband and wife doctor team, I think, and she was awful. She'd walk the kids down the hall complaining, yell at the kids for being near her, just terrible. One morning, I was covering the desk so my co-worker could get breakfast, and the nanny comes down asking about a swimsuit that may have been left at the pool. I told her no one turned it into the front desk, but I'd check with housekeeping, and if I found it, I'd get it to her. Relevant later, she walked off mumbling just as Sarah came back from breakfast and told me this lady's rude and complains daily over nothing. I head over to housekeeping and start checking on the housekeepers since I was working as the supervisor for them for the day. I get near Nanny's room and hear her yelling at the housekeeper. The kind of yelling that happens when someone's trying to make someone who doesn't know English magically learn English. I step in, solve Nanny problem, she leaves witching, 
Housekeeper makes an inappropriate joke at the most perfect time and they go on to clean Nanny's room. I go in to help with the stay over because I wanted the housekeeper done and out before Nanny got back. When I went to replace the towels in the bathroom, I saw the missing swimsuit hanging to dry by the tub. So that mystery was solved and I didn't have to talk to the nanny again. Towards the end of my shift, the assistant manager asks if I'd help the front desk during the check-in and dinner rush. I tell her yes and then let her know that the nanny's annoying and may be a problem. I can't remember all the details, but everyone had complained about the nanny, even the people who don't care about anyone or anything. The hotel's problem was she hadn't crossed a line to be spoken to or warned. On paper, she was just a pain in the butt. The final straw for me was when she came to the desk to tell me the morning girl had admitted to stealing one of the children's swimsuits and that we had to pay her cash to replace it and find a new one. Now, this woman had seen me multiple times that day, but everyone who worked the front desk looked similar enough that we would constantly get mistaken for each other and would use this to our advantage. Like when this woman told me I said I stole a swimsuit, when I in fact said I would help them find it, then saw it in her room. I was irritated to say the least. I told her I would discuss it with the manager, and then she asked me for a shuttle to the downtown restaurant for her and the kids. Now, I am admittedly that annoying coworker who struggles to bend the rules for anyone or anything. I also like knowing things and had been around the second longest at that point, at least for the front desk staff. And a few months back, one of the shuttle drivers wondered out loud to herself why it was okay for small children to be in the shuttle without a car seat. I emailed my immediate superior and got sent a forwarded email chain that had gone up to regional and basically, it wasn't okay. Since I'd been in other departments and the rule was that if the kid looks young enough to need a car seat, we mention it but don't verify age and leave it to the parent and shuttle driver to make the final decision, no one had made this woman put the kids into a car seat. Well, I informed this lady that I'd be happy to call for a shuttle as soon as she had the car seats in the lobby. But no one has made me do it before. They let me on the shuttle without them all the time. The call of I'm getting my way people. I respond with, I'm so sorry, I wasn't aware. When I talk to my manager about the swimsuit, I'll ask that she sends out a reminder to the rest of the staff that car seats are mandatory. She left in a huff, and I called the shuttle driver who I told the situation to. I then got a call from the doctor dad confirming if what I told the nanny was accurate, and he said he understood it was for the children's safety. Nanny came down and asked the shuttle driver if I was serious, and then she left. I made sure everyone knew these kids had to have their car seats and the nanny was so frustrated and witched to my boss who completely had my back. I don't know if nanny actually cooled it a bit or if I found so much joy from watching her drag the car seats to and from the shuttle that I just didn't notice her witching as much. Either way, I felt better the rest of her stay. I mean, for somebody that comes into this hotel and makes everything harder or more annoying for anybody they come in contact with, God forbid you make it a little bit harder or more annoying for that nanny in return. And in regards to the car seat, isn't that like a a legal necessity? Like yeah, they probably won't get in trouble for it, but technically, aren't they supposed to legally have those car seats in there? Or at least for liability's sakes it should be mandatory, right, for the company? So I feel like there's no real complaining when somebody actually enforces that. 
And like imagine you're the parent of those kids and the nanny calls you up complaining because they want to put your kids in a shuttle without car seats and they're the ones insisting, hey, put your kids in car seats. You know, make it safer for your kids. Like how would that really make that nanny look? In our final story of the days by Chef231, Man Gets Car Crushed. This story happened about 15 years ago. The cast is me, LP, female, 5'11", Bob, friend, store manager, Chief, my boss, an entitled jerk who lost his car. Okay, background. I worked as a firefighter as an investigator for an independent department. For information, an investigator was the rank of lieutenant and was based out of a large station. Two engines, one newer 110 tower ladder truck, relative later, one chief car, and one utility truck. Every day, the food duties changed from firefighter to firefighter. It was my chief's turn to cook when this happened. My friend Bob worked as a GM of a small grocery store. There was a long, empty space in front of the store marked with the following sign, Emergency Vehicles Only. Enter Entitled Jerk. He had a nice-looking BMW car and always parked in the above spot every week. Bob told Entitled Jerk that he couldn't park there. I can park wherever I freaking want. I make more in a day than you make in a week. My friend calls me complaining about Entitled Jerk. I agree to go and watch the spot. I get into our utility truck, which had the department decals on the door and a single red light on the dash. I park in the emergency vehicle's only spot. As I'm walking in, I hear, you can't park there, it's my special spot. I turn and look at the entitled jerk. Excuse me, I ask. I'm on official duties and can park there. I point to the decal on the door. Entitled jerk looks and says, you can't be a firefighter, you're a girl. Move your truck and leave, runt. Now, I'm proud of my job. In a department of 2000, I was one of five women in the department. I graduated top in my class. I have a shocked looking expression on my face. I get really pissed off. I walk into my friend's office to get more information about his problem with Entitled Jerk. As Bob explains the continuous parking violations, and I see a small notice on the fire suppression system, sprinklers, that said the inspection was coming up. I smile as I get an idea. Cue the revenge. I get some information, leave Bob's office, and get into the truck heading back to the station. I arrive and head into my chief's office. I tell him about Entitled Jerk and what he said and does. Chief is a 6'6", 320-pound Samoan. He sees everyone as family. Chief's face gets bright red. I explain my idea and he gets very happy. He rushes out and calls a station meeting. I lay out my idea. We send out the station to do a fire drill and inspection by sending the old truck and one engine to the store. My friend will call the station the next time Entitled Jerk parks in the fire lane. Skip to two weeks later, Bob called the station, stating that Entitled Jerk had just parked. As I'm thanking him, I hear his fire alarm go off. I rush and change into my investigator uniform with turnout gear, tell Chief, and send the trucks out. I ride in the Quint. We arrive and I see Entitled Jerk's car right in the emergency vehicle spot. I radio to have one engine pull right in front of the Entitled Jerk's car and the truck to park right beside the driver's side door. I get out and the engineer starts setting up the ladder, which means four very large and heavy support struts go down, and one crushes the front of his hood. The alarm goes off. The lineman breaks his window as he runs the large 5-inch draft line from the pump to the standpipes, the fire access to the sprinkler system through his front seats. 
I go in and find Bob hurriedly getting people out as the alarm's going off. Entitled Jerk runs out of the store, sees his car, and goes ballistic. I radio the PD dispatch and request a few officers to the store as I had a mail impeding the fire operation. The dispatcher says that they'll send a few officers. Three officers show up and I ask them to follow me. They do when I call out, hey, leave my firefighters alone. Entitled Jerk turns and sees me. He rushes up screaming that I'll pay for damaging his precious baby, his car. I stop him and tell him that if he didn't leave, that he would be arrested. He gets in my face, you did this and I'll have your job for this. He then turns, pushing me back. The officers and I rush and tackle Entitled Jerk to the ground. After they cuff him, I calmly inform him that he was under arrest for assault and interference with a fire investigation, and that his car would be towed for parking in a fire lane. I later found out that it was crushed. Entitled Jerk got 12 months probation for pushing me and interfering with a fire operation. He also got a fine of $500 for parking, the cost of the tow, and he lost his nice BMW. Moral of the story, don't park where you shouldn't or bad things will happen. I mean, apparently this guy definitely had rich kid syndrome. They thought because they had money they were totally infallible. Imagine being such a jerk that you park in the emergency lane or spot or whatnot and even get to the point where a person from the fire department is there and tells you not to do that and you just turn around and keep on doing it. You say it's, oh, it's my special spot. It's no surprise that when an actual emergency breaks out, whether or not it was set up, that surprise they're in the way and they're going to be at fault and have some kind of, at the lightest, fine, at the worst, some kind of actual charge against them. And who knows, if they were really blocking the way and a real fire broke out, maybe they would be partially responsible for the response not being fast enough to save somebody. Who knows? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to see another revenge story that was even more insane than these ones, click on the left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. With that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories.